are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, let's pray, and then I'm going to dive in this morning. Father, I give you praise because you're so good, you're so faithful, and we just love you so much, and all we want is more of you, and we want to walk in the fullness of who you are, understanding, God, your great love for us, and to go deeper. So I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint me to share this morning, and that you'd anoint your people to hear, and that we wouldn't be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that's not my scripture, but I'm going to share it with you. Um, It says, uh, you know, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, which is your reasonable service of worship. Verse 2, not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, that word, that, that moment there, that you wouldn't be conformed, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that word transform is the same word that was used to describe Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain when the disciples beheld him become glorified. You would be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. This isn't what I'm going to share, but it's an important prelude to what I'm going to share this morning. You see, it's not just good enough, it's not just good enough to know God. It's actually important that he knows you. It's actually more important that God knows you than that you know him. If that weren't true, then Jesus wouldn't have said, many will come on that day and say, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? All in your name. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. See, it's one thing for you to know about him. It's another thing for him to know you. I say that because far too often we just, you know, like I know, if I were, if I were to stand up here last night, we had this beautiful moment with Ryan Smith, be, you know, leaving, retiring. If you, if, you, if you watched it and didn't cry, what's wrong with you, and, and um, but we had this, you know, this beautiful moment, and I could tell you, if I came up here and, and stood in front of you and, and, and relayed all of Ryan Smith's stats to you, and then said, I know him, you would think, well, no, you know his stats, and, and here's the thing, just because God knows the numbers of hair on your head, that doesn't mean he knows you, because to know about you is knowledge, to know you is relational. Are you with me? You can, you can talk back. Don't throw stuff, but you can talk back a little bit. To know him is relational. And there's a necessity for us to know him. Now, why I, what does this have to do with Romans 12? You see, you can't truly know him until you are enlightened, until your mind is transformed. I've heard it said that faith is the currency of heaven. I'd agree with that, but I would submit to you, if faith is the currency of heaven, a transformed mind is the ATM. Well, we're, the way we're defining a tra- the transformation of our mind is simply this. To learn what heaven thinks about a thing and make that my truth. Okay, I'll tell these people. Uh, transform mind is to learn what heaven thinks on a thing and then to make that my truth. Amen. That was much better, marginally, but better. Here's, here's the thing. Like, think about it just even from the perspective of finances. The, the scripture that Pastor Lance shared, you know, we look at finances, like, and this is just one perspective, okay? But let's just use it as, because it's kind of like a rubber meets the road. We use finances from a perspective of, well, the world thinks wealth needs to be saved because it runs out. 
But the kingdom perspective of wealth is this, that, it is, that the fullness of it is activated through generosity. Why? Because we walk in abundance, not in just a pot that could be empty. There is no end to the potential of what God has, so we're generous. So we think like heaven thinks about our finances. How do you think about, do you think like heaven thinks about the goodness of God? Do you think like heaven thinks about these things? So I'd like to take a minute and just talk about grace in the short time that I have remaining. I don't know what Jack Hayford said once, 20 minutes. How does anybody say anything in 20 minutes? Well, we're going to about find out. Grace is an eternal subject. We're, we're going to spend eternity plumbing it, but I'd like to talk about the gears of grace. By the end of this, this time together, I, I'm believing by faith that you'll have a sense of where you are on your journey in Christ and where you are in your maturity by understanding where you are in the gears of grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, it says this. You can turn there and look, but I promise you it's in there. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him, and he seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. For we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This grace thing, it's eternal. Like I'm, what I'm going to share with you today is that if anybody tells you that they have the corner on the grace of God, they're lying because we're going to be plumbing God's grace for eternity. It's, it's something that we're going to be learning about continually and amazed by. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's actually possible to have God reveal something new about himself to you regularly. It's happening in heaven right now with the mighty angels that are flying around his throne covered in eyes saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is immeasurable in his nature. He's, he's immeasurable in his richness. He's, he can't, his depth can't be plumbed. He is eternal. He is infinite. And you can discover something new about him today to love that you didn't know you could love before. I, next time I'll bring my own cheering section. So uh, I just, I just, it's just important that you understand that. Because God is wanting to pour out His grace on a people who are willing. Listen, we, we talk about revival. I'm convinced, like, do you remember the story? Remember, Pastor Lance, remember the story when the, when the disciples are in the boat and they've been fishing all night and Jesus says, well, hey guys, it's not working for you. Why don't you throw the net on the other side? And so, like, what does the width of a boat have to do with a school of fish being caught? Absolutely nothing. They must have swum into the net. And I believe that God is creating families in this last day where the net is safe for the fish to, be swim, to swim into. That's what revival is going to look like. It's going to look like a culture of people that have engaged the goodness of God in such a fashion that they're not an orphanage, but they're a family. And on account of that, then the Spirit of the Lord can visit the land in conviction so that people cry out, what must I do to be saved? What are you going to do to do that? What are you going to do to be that? You need to mature. You need to understand. You need to have a revelation of his nature so that you can reflect the nature of the kingdom that you represent. Don't you know that you are the light of the world? Don't you know that you're a city on a hill? Light has never lost. The sun has never had to battle with darkness in the morning. It always wins. Like, we conquer so much that he had to call us more than conquerors. 
We're so free, we had to be called free indeed. This is such good news. How come you're sitting? This is such good news. I'm not mad. I'm just saying this is such good news. But because we have this misunderstanding of grace, and because we live in a lower revelation of the nature of grace, we don't fully engage the joy of the Lord and walking in the fullness of it. So I'm going to quickly try to go through this. God help us all. Okay. For this to really work, you have to have a sense. You have to have an understanding of what a standard engine works sort of like. Does any, did you, how many of you have tried to drive a standard? I just have to say this, okay, because we're kind of making fun of Ernie, and I just need to join in. <laughs> I don't know what your perspective is on bear hunting. If you, don't like, if you like hunting, if you don't like hunting, whatever, that's fine. Please don't judge uh, Lance or myself on this, but we happen to like hunting together, and Lance is trying to help uh, Ernie uh, have the opportunity to hunt a bear, and, and, and so Lance is getting on his case about purchasing a bear bait that, you know, needs to be poured over. And so as we were talking about the particular kind of bait, I mentioned to Ernie, I said, well, the best way to do it is to take two plastic bags and to fill it with the bear bait and put that in your pockets. Because, like, why just limit the scent for the bear to just be at one location? You should be carrying that with you. So that, that's the way we all do it. And so he's like, really? That's, wow. Well, uh, you know, I guess that makes sense. I just, I had to let him off the hook eventually, but I, I just couldn't have. Okay, to understand, you got to understand, I'm sorry, you got to understand a, a, a standard engine, right? You, you, you are, when you're in first gear, you come to a point where there's tension. You can feel the tension in the vehicle because you've reached the end of the potential of that gear. So you, 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 how many of you know that? You feel that tension like, you know, like the engine's crying out, you know, I can't do much more, right? And, and, so, and then so you engage the clutch, and the clutch just like kind of, the clutch sort of relieves that tension, doesn't it? And then you're able to go into the next gear, and you can just feel the, the shift happen, right? So, so we're going we're gonna to talk, some of you are like, well, well, <laughs> I don't know, I recall, like, oh, <laughs> tension, there was, there just seemed to be a lot, of, especially for my husband, while I was driving his, um, anyways, so, so this is how we're going to uh, engage this from the understanding of the gear that we're in, in grace, the tension that the end of that potential of the gear brings, and, and, and the clutch, what brings sort of the, the release of that tension to move into the next gear. Are you willing? So if you're taking notes, that's, that's how I'm doing. If, if you're not taking notes, why? Okay, moving on. The first gear of grace. The f- <laughs> so uh, just extend forgiveness to me, would you? Just... You're not doing very good. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really feeling it. Okay. The first gear of ga- grace is the guarantee of forgiveness. Let us then, Hebrews 4.16 says, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in the time of need. Now here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to insert something into your language just for the context of this message, and that would be this. The speed of destiny. Now, now, how many of you know that, 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 that when, you, when, you, when you merge onto the highway, it's difficult for you to engage highway speed in first gear? Right? I mean, now, we had a dentist in the town that I grew up in who would buy a Volvo, a new Volvo, every year. And, and there was a reason for that, because I don't think he understood this concept of shifting gears. Because he would come screaming down, like just... 
you could just hear the, the engine crying for mercy, you know. Just like, I don't think he ever took it out of first gear. Even when he backed up, it was in first gear. And, and it's just like, so, but you understand that you cannot, you, you cannot go the speed of destiny in the first gear of grace. If your revelation of God's grace is this, that you are guaranteed to be forgiven, you are living in the early stages in a lower measure of a revelation of the nature of God's grace. You have limited God's grace. Listen, listen, it, it's, it's, it's taking, it's taking your, 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 your Christianity. It's like having a bank account with $100 billion in it and limiting its potential to what you can stuff in your pockets. God's grace is so much greater than just whether to sin or not to sin and your forgiveness to do it. This is just so important, team. And this is such good news. God's grace doesn't enable us just to be clean. See, the tension that you reach in this first gear, the tension that you live in is sin. And there's Christians who, who are living, frankly, dealing with sin. Now, there's times where you're dealing with sin issues that you're growing out of, but generally, there, there, you know, and that's another kind of story we'll talk about in just a moment, but generally there's Christians who are just living in this first gear of grace and thinking, well, just, you know, okay, whoops, I sinned. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get, come back, you know, oh, I'm sinned again, I'll come back. And they just live in this first gear, and, and Christianity for them is boring. It's about rules. There's no revelation. There's no release of the miraculous. There's no understanding of the fullness of his nature being reflected in their lives. All they are is just bored because they can't do the stuff that everybody else gets to do and not feel guilty for it, so they have to go back to him. Don't live in first gear. The tension you're experiencing on account of sin is robbing you of the fullness of, of walking in God. Now, here's the good news. How do, you, how do you address it? How do you address sin? Simple. You address it. The clutch is submission. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. A life... Listen. In the early stages of your discipleship with Christ, you have to understand that Jesus is Lord becomes a lens that you... Sir, you've got glasses on. They're a, the, your glasses are a lens that you view your life through. Jesus is Lord becomes a necessary lens for you to view life through in the early stages of your discipleship. Your discipleship gets established through your willingness to submit to his lordship in every situation. You know, we used to say, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. Well, that's not really true. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, you're a schizophrenic Christian. It's fractured living. I'm going to talk about this with the men tomorrow night a little bit, but it's just, it's fractured. If, you, if, if Jesus is Lord of, of your Sunday morning, but he's not Lord of your Friday night, then you're just, you're schizophrenic. No, listen, you're spiritual. Listen, I love you. I love you. No, in fact, I even like you. Um, and I want to submit to you just because, well, I have to love everybody, but I can choose who I like. I, 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 uh, I, I even just want to quickly say, like, like you know, you're good looking. Yeah. No, you are. Like, I've, I've often thought, I've been, like, I've traveled a little bit, and generally my church is one of the better looking churches, but you guys are right up there. And it's so much easier to preach to good looking people than homely people. So I just want to thank you for that real quickly. Just a quick thank you. Submission, learning to submit, learning to submit your life to the Lordship of Christ takes you out of first gear. You want to leave first gear? You want to start moving at some higher speeds? You got to learn to submit your life to Jesus. If you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't want to submit my life to Jesus. I want to have my way. Have fun in first gear. Not gonna, you're not going to lose your salvation, just not going to receive much of reward in eternity. 
What you do with the cross will depend on, you know, will determine where you spend eternity. What you do for the cross will depend on how you spend that eternity. So, the first gear of grace is to live in the guarantee of forgiveness. But there's more. When you address your sin through submission, you can move into the second gear of grace. The second gear of grace is liberty. Liberty. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things benefit me. All things are available, but I won't be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, the stomach meant for food, and God will destroy both and one for the other. But the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but the Lord and the Lord for the body. Here's where we learn to manage our freedom. You have to manage your liberty. Because you are so free, you're free indeed. So you see, the first gear of grace really guarantees you forgiveness. The second gear of grace, you learn to wrestle through managing that freedom that you've been given. What are you going to do with the freedom you've been given? How are you going to steward your freedom? You see, what we've done in our society is we've created truth, we've made truth relative. Well, Pastor Lance, that might be good for you. But it's not really, you know, like that. And, and, and we create this sort of thing like truth is this moving target because it depends on, somebody, on somebody's revelation. I'd like to submit to you today that truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Yes. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I would like to also submit to you that what we've done in our society is if it's through relativism. We've created truth to be mo- a moving target, but freedom is something that is simple to define. And we say, well, no, freedom, for Christ, freedom in Christ looks like this, this permissiveness, this, you know. And listen, your revelation on these things are, is your own because you manage, the Bible says, your salvation with fear and trembling. Which means you're responsible for how you steward your salvation. And the measure of the depth of intimacy that you have with Jesus is your responsibility and nobody else's. And so your revelation of freedom needs to come out of intimacy with Jesus, not just out of your thought on what other people are thinking. See, so other people are getting to define what freedom looks like. Oh, it looks like being able to drink. It looks like being able to party. It looks like being able to do this, that, or the other thing. I'd like to submit to you that truth is not the moving target, but freedom is. Here's how I can tell you. Because, see, for the alcoholic, freedom looks different for the person who says they can socially drink. Don't look at me like that. If you socially drink, I'm not mad. Like, I'm just saying. Freedom for the alcoholic looks like I never have to drink again. Versus the person who maybe socially drinks says, well, I can have a glass of wine with a meal and it's no big deal. Are you, are you seeing the difference? How does this person say to the alcoholic, well, you're not really free? That's happening in the body of Christ right now. It's unacceptable. We actually have to learn to manage our liberty. We actually have to be determined that we want to walk in the fullness of our freedom. And here's how you know whether or not something is free for you. Something for you is, if it doesn't corrupt your intimacy, then that for you is liberty. But if it does, then don't do it. Because Jesus wants to be intimate with you. He wants to walk with you intimately. Are you you here today? Are you getting this? See, where are you? Are you living in, are you living in, in are, you, are, you, are you living over here in this place of, of just, well, I'm guaranteed to forgiveness. Are you learning how to manage your liberty? Are you learning how to steward your freedom so that you can gauge the fullness of it? 
You see, holiness and religion, here's the thing, you guys, religion is, is a counterfeit of holiness. The enemy isn't very good at creating things, so he just uh, 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 perverts things and counterfeits them. Now, if a thief came up to you, if you owned a store and a thief came up to you and said, um, listen, uh, I, I just want to purchase this Twinkie with a $3 bill. Like, I mean, you, like, only an idiot would counterfeit something that doesn't exist. See, so religion looks a lot like holiness, but they're two totally different things. And there's such a call for the church to rise up and be holy. We're required to be holy as he's holy. Here's the thing is that I believe that there's a church that's going to rise up that's glorious without spot or wrinkle. And the splendor of holiness, the beauty of holiness will be her crown. And the world will cry out, that's beautiful. Are you willing to pursue it? So what's the tension? The, ten the, ten the tension that comes in second gears through temptation to sin or not to sin. But you see, there's so many people who've reduced their Christianity to a sin or not to sin perspective. But if you engage it, the clutch becomes discipline. I am crucified with Christ. So when that tension rise up to sin or not to sin, I am crucified with Christ. For I no longer live. But the life I live, I now live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. And you discipline yourself to walk in it. Third gear, quickly, I've got... Nine minutes, oh sweet Jesus. Authority. The third gear of grace is authority. Colossians 2, 10, 11 says this, for you've been filled in him who is the head and rule of all, and sorry, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and all authority. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, but the circumcision of Christ, the circumcision of the heart. Listen, you don't have to sin no more. Read through Romans 6 through 8 and you'll discover that the old man is dead. My sin nature is dead. I don't have to sin no more. When I got baptized, I was separated from that thing and it's over. I don't have to... Now, wait, well, wait a minute. Wait, Pastor Madden, wait a minute. You're preaching heresy here because I still sin. Okay, I didn't say that you wouldn't sin no more. I said you don't have to. You don't have a propensity to sin no more. And this is scriptural. I want you to think about this. Adam and Eve who were in the garden, where Adam, when Adam and Eve were in the garden before the snake showed up, were they sinless? Were they perfect? It's not a trick question. They were. Right? Yet they sinned. They didn't have a sin nature, did they? Yet they sinned. All they needed was deception. Satan operates in deception. And what does he do? What he does is he tricks us into thinking that God isn't sufficient in that area and so you need to lean into sin to, to get what you need. It's like, it's simple. Satan is really good at what he does, but it isn't, a, it's, it's simply brilliant. It's not complexly brilliant. It's just simple. It starts by, he starts by questioning the character of God. Had, did God really say? He doesn't. Listen, listen, it's not because you'll die. It's because he doesn't want you to be like him, knowing good and evil. He's holding something back from you. Why don't you find out? Eat the fruit. You see, because we believe the lie that God is insufficient in an area, that his grace is insufficient for us, we uh, fall into the trap of being deceived. And so you have to learn to walk in your authority. The tension, the tension that comes your way now is temptation. 
but in a different way. Is it going to be God's way or my way? The first form of temptation was, am I going to sin or not sin? But in third gear, it's going to be, am I going to do it my way or am I going to do it God's way? Jesus went through this moment in the third gear in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? When he said, not my will, but yours be done. When he submitted himself, is this not the cup? Shall I not drink it all? You see, Jesus engaged purpose. He recognized, this is who I am. So many Christians don't know that they have a purpose. They just live over here hoping they don't sin. Slowly going along. Occasionally they kind of have a season where maybe they're managing their liberty a little bit, but then, ah, you know, we don't move forward. Can't move at the speed of destiny in first and second gear. Can't walk in the fullness of God's gifts for you in first and second gear. Got to move forward. Now, I have to do this quickly because I've got four minutes. I'd just like to point something about about the first three years of grace. The tension over here was sin. Who brings sin? Okay, perhaps I should start a little bit further back. I said, who brings sin? The enemy, right? Say, it's not a trick question. I'll tell you. If I'm going to give you a trick question, I'll tell you, okay? Who brings sin? Okay. Second one, the tension is to sin or not to sin. Who brings that tension to sin or not to sin? Who brings temptation? Over here, the temptation to do what I want versus what God wants. Who's going to bring that temptation to us? The enemy. So in the first three gears, it was the enemy's work that brought the tension that allowed you to go to the next gear. You see, you can use, because all things work together for our good, the Bible says. That's why we're more than conquerors. So even the enemy's plans can be used against us to progress us in the fullness of the nature of God. This is good news. That there is no weapon formed against me that can prosper. And I can use the enemy's works against him. I'll tell you. I can use the enemy's works against him for my benefit. That's how big we are, you guys. That's how big our victory in Jesus is. That's how amazing this victory in Christ is. That in my acceleration to the speed of destiny, the enemy's work helped me to engage the next level of God's grace. I like, I like this. I like this. Because all I had to do was submit. All I had to do was be disciplined. All I had to do was engage His will. It's not about works. It's about rest. This is such good news. This is such good news. The fourth gear of grace is enablement. Now we're starting to move at destiny speeds. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. God enables you to do good works. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared before then that we should walk in them. God enables God's grace. Now we start to move in at a speed where He enables us to do so. So like, rather than just, can you see how good this is? Rather than just living with a guarantee of forgiveness, now you're moving into enab- being enabled by God, empowered by God to do the works that He wants you to do. You are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone in your business. You're not alone in, 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 your, in your schoolwork. You're not alone in any of these things. God can enable you to walk in the fullness of who he wants you to be. The tension that we come up here is we come to the end of our strength. 
It's not a work of the enemy. It's us maturing and, exer- and understanding that we're just running out of strength. And the way that we engage that is through rest. Resting isn't stopping. Resting isn't stopping. And I'm going to say this really fast because I've got to finish now and you'll just have to believe, God, that you'll discover the fifth gear. Imagine, that, remember, remember, remember uh, Ben-Hur. Remember the, 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 the slave scene where they're in the bottom of the boat and, and the, the slaves are rowing? Dun, 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 dun. Remember? Rowing speed. Dun, dun, dun. Anybody? Am I the only one here? Is somebody, okay. Like, do you people need to get some culture? Okay, so anyways, remember that? Okay. that those ships, they existed. Slaves would be in the bottom rowing, but they did have the capacity to sail. Here's the difference between resting and, and, and stopping. The rest of the Lord is, is getting away from your oar and sailing. Not doing it in your strength, but engaging a power greater than your strength, the wind of the Spirit. Finally, the fifth gear of grace is radical obedience. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works. Your grace, when you're moving at the speed of destiny, causes you to change nations, causes you to make millions, causes you to save thousands, causes you to feed hundreds and hundreds of thousands, causes you to bring redemption to a city. The, the, the tension becomes the size of the task, but the clutch becomes faith. It becomes Jesus doing the work on your behalf. Yeah. I close with this. Where are you? Are you living in the guarantee of forgiveness? Are you learning to manage your liberty? Are you starting to walk in authority? Have you engaged being enabled by God's grace? Are you starting to walk in some radical obedience? Where are you? I'd like to encourage you, today is your day to move beyond the lower gears. Stop living in a lower revelation of what you could be fully engaging because you're a champion, you're great, you're powerful because the spirit in you is greater than the spirit in the world. Would you stand with me? Pastor Lynn. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.